Yes, indeed, Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you have been and are the captain of the hosts, the Lord of the hosts, the the captain of the army. You have defeated our enemy already 2,000 years ago, even in the, from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world, the cross was established. So we thank you, Father, that everything is under control and you are good and you are the one in control, even when madness seems to rule and reign on this earth. We thank you for peace that you remove and deliver us from the spirits of anxiety and fear, things that we cannot even manage or control anyway. So, Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for peace. We thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for dying, for taking the hits, for being our sacrificial lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And we thank you, Father, for the power that you've also given us, authority, to bind, to loose, to pray, and and that we will begin to pray with a power with authority, with faith, with confidence in your word, in you, that you keep your word, that you do not lie. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've promised us divine protection. So we ask again this day, as death is all around and stalking in every place, that you cover and keep your people with life and truth and peace and, and the resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now give resurrection power to those who are being harassed, um, helpless and afraid. And I thank you, Lord, for divine protection over our families as well, that you'd establish us in the, in the truth of what you've called us to do, that there will be no divisions among your people, that the remnant will be blessed and, in, and strengthened and enhanced in the power and the anointing of your spirit, and that you would give us, grant us this great uh, repentance and awakening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're talking about a, one of God's special messengers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting, all through Scripture, all through human history, God knows it. He knows the beginning from the end. Mm-hmm. He's eternal, right? It's hard for us to think of eternal things, yeah. the things that have no beginning, no end. But God, all through the Scriptures... But it's really not, because think of a circle. A circle has no beginning, right. no end. It's just, it just keeps going round and round. And I think that's why God can say, from the foundation of the world... You know, he knew us, he, and the cross he, he is from the foundation. Everything. He knows everything, and he, but in the written word, in the scriptures, there, there's prophecy. Mm-hmm. He basically prophesies everything that he's going to do. Right. He says it, in some cases, thousands of years. Ahead of time. Uh, uh, as far as our perspective is concerned. Right. And, and, but one of the <clears throat> great um, prophecies we find in Mal- Malachi chapter <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple, come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So he's talking about two messengers here, my messenger Mm -hmm. and then the messenger. Mm-hmm. Of course, the messenger is Jesus, but today we're sharing about uh, my messenger in the form of John the Baptist, yeah. the one who brings 
uh, a message and how how it came to be that he actually came to be suddenly yes is very well, interesting it's interesting too that if you look at John the Baptist and his background his story his lineage and um that God is absolutely the most unconventional I, I can't even think of words to explain how out of the box God works um he, so he has he has John the Baptist coming from a priestly bloodline both his father uh, Zachariah and his mother Elizabeth were of the priestly bloodlines. So how it all began in the story, actually, as we're pr- preceding the, the the story of the birth of Jesus, um, John the Baptist was born uh, six months or so before um, Jesus. So the announcement of John the Baptist came in a very strange way, um, even to his father, who was one of the priests. There were many priests, and every day, they had to get up and do the priestly duties. They'd have this trumpet blast, three blasts, wake them up like an alarm clock, waking everybody up in, the, in Jerusalem. And then they had to go about their priestly duties. And uh, there were many duties, so they were divided into divisions. And so that certain ones had to do this and certain ones that. But but there was some very privileged uh, jobs that got to be had to be done every day. And one was the putting of the incense um, on the altar, uh, you know, uh, offering the incense in the Holy of Holies. Um, or the, I'm sorry, the holy place, where the, the altar of showbread, the, um, the incense altar, and the candlestick were. Those were on this side of the big heavy veil, and you, no one went in there except once a year. But so Zechariah, uh, what happened was there were many people who wanted this job, obviously. So the only way the jobs were distributed was through the casting of the lots, or mm-hmm. that we would call it dice, whatever. But so that way, whoever got picked was obviously a thing that came straight from God. It wasn't favoritism. It wasn't, you know, manipulated or um, there was no bribery involved. So Zechariah, it was about 60 years old. He'd been there working for many years, obviously, um, doing his duties at the temple. Very humble, him and his wife. Very humble, very... Um, godly people. Very godly in every way, righteous and holy, and keeping the law, the religious expectations of the law to the letter, I'm sure. But the, the shame of the whole thing was that they were without children. And so um, Elizabeth, and, and they were, you know, 60 years praying for a child. Because in those days, there was a strong reproach. Uh, if you didn't have children. If you didn't have children. And so they were waiting, waiting, waiting. And so then what happened finally, okay, so unannounced. I mean, you don't know if your name is going to be drawn that day. So there was no audience that all of a sudden Zachariah finds himself, you know, getting dressed perfectly and um, inspected, I'm sure, so that all of his garments and everything were just perfect. And he was then went he went into the, the with the scent, with the censer, the golden censer to, I'm sure, offer the incense. And at that point, what happened? Well, he's, he's in there and um, the whole multitude, here's the setting, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 10, the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. So prayer, incense symbolizes the prayers of Right, God's and that's people. why they wanted that every day, that it indicated it was a symbol of their prayers, Israel's prayers being accepted before the, the mm-hmm. throne of God. So it was very, very important that this this incense altar was was operating and working. Then, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, angels are not like little uh, thing, chubby cherubs or mm-hmm. little right. things that we put on top of a Christmas tree. I mean, this was, they're, 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 this is, uh, they're amazing. They're amazing in a the sense. They're, they're, in a sense, fearsome, very powerful, very strong. 
And um, so he was troubled, and as he saw him, fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, verse 13, Zacharias, for your your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you should call his name John. So he had... Okay, so this is interesting. Here he is doing this very super important you know, priestly duty, I mean... Offering the incense. And the angel comes with a personal message. I mean, you know, he could have come to him in a dream, he could have come to him in a vision um, on his day off, but he came in the middle of this sacred duty. Elizabeth is going... God heard your prayer, your specific prayer. This is very cool because Zechariah had been just very diligent, him and his wife, to serve God. I'm sure they prayed every day on and on and on. And you're, you said earlier that the Lord will come suddenly into his temple. And, you know, it had been in Malachi, this for, this prophecy of the messenger coming had been given 400 years before this Zechariah event happened. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly was a long time in coming, but it was suddenly, as, as it was true, once he got there. So, um, But he's bringing a personal message, and you shall not only have a son, you're going to call his name John. So God is setting a stage for something that Zechariah had no idea. No idea. Maybe I'm sure he'd read the, read the verse a million times in Malachi about sending the messenger before my face, blah, blah, blah. And I'm positive he had no inkling it would be his son. Yeah, in, in Malachi, I think it's chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it talks about <clears throat> this one that's coming will come in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And so uh, he he doesn't realize at this point um, that this is the one right. that's been prophesied, and it's coming to him. When I'm sure that you know, right. but Zacharias re- and Elizabeth said, "Well, we've we've given up. I mean, we're right. we're past age right. of uh, yeah. having being able to have children. We'll just but God live it out now until we die, and then we'll." Yeah, we'll just keep we'll just keep serving the Lord. So this is an interesting thing. People can get into their older age and think they're done, they're washed up, their life is over. They're just going to have to now buy their time until you know they die. And believe you me, a lot of people are dying ahead of their time these days. But so that's I think that might have been their mindset. But all of a sudden they were interrupted with this wonderful message. But. and, and he says, verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. So this, I'm sure, was an understatement to Zechariah. Such good news, such beyond. And an angel told him, so I'm sure he was very sure that this was going to happen. Uh, and it says, verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So this angel is very specific. He's not going to, he's going to be a Nazarite, but basically. Yeah, because uh, this was one of the, vows of the Nazareth. And, and their hair had to grow long too, I to believe that was long yeah. hair and they didn't uh, couldn't eat grapes or any any kind of fruit of the vine. And, and he will and it says in verse 16 and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah as you said to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this was John's job. He was going to you know, be a Nazarite. He was going to basically have long hair. He's going to, you know, be kind of an outcast because those Nazarites, they were, you know, they were marginal. They were on the fringes of everything. And here he was. He could have been uh, the next priest in line because that would have been his legacy. And and yet it didn't sound like he was going to be a priest. Um, And so then Zachariah, so he's stunned, basically. 
um, all these words, all these predictions, all these things, the angel is telling him the name, his job description, what he's going to do, what he can even eat. Um, and he's going to go before Elijah and he's going to turn the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And isn't that what we need today? We need that turning of the hearts of the disobedient, the, 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 the deceived, uh, the rebellious Mm -hmm. uh, to the wisdom of the just. And the wisdom of the just is scoffed and scorned and cast aside for the most part, even now. So we're in another cycle right now at a critical cycle, the beginning of a critical cycle. And I believe this is where Zechariah was. And so then Zechariah, you know, how do you answer this? What do you say? You've got to say something. Maybe you say nothing. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now here mm-hmm. he is in reality. He's, mm-hmm. he's hung up on it is what it is and it's not going to change and nothing is ever going to change because it's been this way for 60 some years. And so I can't, you know, basically, isn't that where we go a lot of times when God gives us a promise, an out of the uh, outlandish, almost unbelievable promise, even if it's good news, we, we resist it with some sort of excuse like, he could have said to the angel, well, this isn't, nothing's ever going to change. How can I know this? How can, I'm old. How can this be? Right. And so the angel responded and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in Whoa. the presence of God. So it, was, it wasn't just another angel. Yeah. It was Gabriel. He's himself. the messenger angel. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. And so, so many times we're so steeped in bad news, bad news, bad news, de- de- anxiety, depression, more, more ma- bad news, that we can't even handle good news. We don't even know what to do with a morsel of good news and answer to prayer. We, we are waiting for the second shoe to fall. We're waiting for something bad to happen, um, even though God says here, this is going to be a good thing. And then he says, um, and so then Gabriel had another piece of information. But behold, you will, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So Abraham had a similar situation. An angel, uh, three actually angels came to him and told him that Sarah, his wife, would have a baby. And I think he was about 99 at the time when that message was given to him and she was not far behind him in terms of age. So, um, But Abraham didn't say anything and he didn't get struck with a mute, uh, a mute spirit. But this man, here he is, here he, listen, this is so, so, so crazy how God is so crazy. So John the Baptist is going to be the messenger to speak the, and, and, and announce the coming and the actual identification of the Messiah because he's the one who says, here is, behold the Lamb of God. He's going to be the one saying that at the River Jordan when they're baptizing everybody. And he's the one who's going to announce Jesus to the group, to the, to the crowd. But here his father, the father of the messenger, is struck with the spirit of muteness. Who He can't speak. Isn't this contradictory? I mean, he cannot speak. He's shut up for months, for nine months, actually. And, and, so, and he doesn't speak again until the baby is born, and they're about to misname him. You know, I would have think that, thought that Zachary would have told Elizabeth, in, at least in a, a note, writing to her that this baby is going to be called John. But all the group, once the baby arrived, wanted to call him Zachariah after his father, of course, naming the, the son after the father. Well, he, later on, he wrote down, because they were saying, we can't call him John because there's nobody in the family named John. And then he wrote down on the tablet, mm-hmm. his name is John. 
And uh, and then that was the point where he was able to speak, speak again. Now there was another miracle. So they're seeing this man, John, uh, the the baby at this point. Is he the Messiah? Because that became a question later. Is he the one? Is he? Because look at around his birth. There's this the angel, the uh, Gabriel. There's the announcement. And then if you go back to the story in Zechariah, he's still sitting in the temple. Um, and the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. In other words, is he dead? Actually, they were so afraid of people dying, having a heart attack when they went into the temple that when they, the once a year, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around his leg with a little tinkling bell to make sure he was still alive in there because they couldn't go in and get him because no one else was permitted to go in there, even to pull out a dead body. So it is so... I mean, as long as they heard the bell, they knew he was alive. They knew he was alive. And if they stopped hearing the bell, then they'd have to drag on the rope. But anyway, so he's stunned. He's in the temple, marveling, lingering. And but when he came out, now remember, all these people are on the outside waiting for him to come out. It's like they're waiting to get the good news that the incense was accepted and we're all clear for the day. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen the vision in the temple, for he beckoned them and remained speechless. And so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed and went to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself for five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. There were many women in the Bible who had this same kind of experience. There was Rachel, who had many years, was barren, and there was Sarah, and there was, I think, also Rebecca at a hard time conceiving. It's very interesting that all the great men of God, the patriarchs, all their mothers pretty much had real hard times conceiving, and you would wonder why. If God is into this thing mm-hmm. and setting up these patriarchs to be you know, the carriers of the, the nation of Israel, how is it that most of them, their mothers, had a hard time conceiving, and how th- that they most had twins? Why is this? Well, I think it's because Satan wanted a man on the board as well, and that Satan was trying to keep the plan from God by keeping these women from conceiving. And I still believe to this very, very, very day, and you can't, convinced me any differently that it's the godly who satan tries to intervene with or interfere with in their conceptions because he doesn't want any godly seed so if you're a godly couple and you haven't been able to conceive it's more than likely that satan has no desire to see any more godly seed on this planet and so he's trying to hold up the show with some resistance or protest before the most high god if i were you and i were childless and i was still in childbearing age i'd go to the court of heaven and petition for the release of your children, your seed, that Satan can no longer hold them up at the throne of grace and mercy because, because you have a right to have your inheritance <clears throat> and the generations that come after you. <clears throat> so, but go before the court of heaven and make petition and to ask God to throw Satan's petition for your barrenness out of court. Does that make sense? So that you will be able to carry on as Elizabeth and Zechariah did the will of God in the, and, and look at, look at how resistance, how much resistance everybody had who was carrying on the bloodline of Jesus Christ to this place. Yeah, it, it's just, it's just astounding to see all that. And, and then, of course, when um, Elizabeth becomes, <coughs> excuse me, Elizabeth becomes uh, pregnant, um, the word has come to Mary about the the birth you know of Jesus her conceiving uh, <coughs> through the holy spirit and um and and she says yes basically to the lord now we'll talk about mary probably a little a, bit more another, next another week time. yeah but um 
So Mary goes to see Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Um, in the in, to the hill country of, of Judah, entered into the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. That's in Luke chapter one verse forty. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, <clears throat> and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting. Well, you can see that Luke is braiding together the two stories, the two conceptions, the two the angelic visits of Gabriel, both to Elizabeth and Mary. He's he's just weaving this together uh, in the first chapter of Luke. So you know, we will do the uh, his uh, announcement to Mary. Uh, next week, but yeah, and this, uh, but but this week, going back to this, you know, Mary has a big, a big um, <clears throat> conversation or declaration when she receives that that information. But so does Zechariah. And if you go back to um, Zechariah, after his son was born, um, fear, verse sixty-five of one Luke one, fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these things were discussed throughout the hill country of Judah. Like the question is, is this guy? Because they didn't know about Jesus yet. Nobody had, he wasn't yet born. And so the angels haven't appeared on the hills of Judea yet to the shepherds. So is this the guy? And all those who heard kept these things in their heart, saying, what kind of a child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was on him. Uh, yeah, because you know, the prophecy was that many will rejoice at his birth, the birth of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And it talks about um, in, in Luke one fifty seven fifty eight. now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. She brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with mm-hmm. her. And <clears throat> so what kind of child will this be? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lord, the angel said, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, and it happened I mean, that way, in exactly. in the womb, I mean, you think of a baby; uh, they have a spirit, soul, body, and they're aware of things. Aware of things, <laughs> but to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the mother's womb, from mm-hmm. birth or even before birth, a little baby just filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here, Anointed. what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now uh, Zacharias. Uh, it talks about uh, he begins Elizabeth. to prophesy at at the, right. at this point in six uh, sixty seven or sixty seven. Now his father Zechariah was 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 filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So he got filled with the Holy Spirit at this moment where he his tongue was loosed. The name John came out. Everybody's rejoicing and shocked because this is Zechariah's big chance to name this child after himself, and he didn't take it. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, saying, "Now this is what he says about John." And this is very interesting. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. So he's really beginning to set the stage himself for his son and for uh, John's cousin. Yeah, this is in Luke chapter 1, in verse house, 69. Yeah. In the house of his servant David. So we know that um, G- Jesus, of course, is of the house and lineage of David, and we'll look more at that next week. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. Now, their enemies. You think? Just stop for a minute and think about this. You think it's really bad in our government right now, and the enemies and the wickedness, and it is. It's a global wickedness. It's not just a small, you know. But at that time, the whole known world at that time was also in this global grip. Of wickedness uh, with Rome, and Rome. Yeah. and and then not only that, but you had the religious infighting in in Israel 
with the Jews, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you know, all of those people vying for power. You had Herod, who, who was so wicked. Puppet king. Well, not only he changed sides, but neither, but he murdered his own sons. He murdered his mm-hmm. wife because he was insecure and he was afraid they were going to take his throne. Now, talk, is there anybody, our people, they're murdering people, but at least, you know, it's not as apparent here, but this well, was the, the, the name, the place, the day, um, an age that they were in, that are saved from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. Now, we could say the same thing, from the hand of those who hate us. He, this is John, to perf- he's going to do this, to perform the mercies promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. God had promised them since since Eve he was going to send the head crusher. Um, the oath which he swore to our father, Abraham, to grant, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. So this is, this is a long-standing promise, oath, covenant God made with Abraham. Not only would he have descendants as the stars of the sky, but his descendants would bring forth you know, the king. They would be the, the one his, from his lineage would come the Redeemer um, from the hand of our enemies that we might serve him without fear. Um, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, now he's looking at this baby, I imagine he's holding in his arms, will be called the prophet of the high. So he's not going to be the, the actual Messiah. Not the Messiah. Yeah. For you will be go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, which with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now this is this is a very very powerful prophecy, of course, and um, the prophet of the highest mm-hmm. go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Mm-hmm. Back back in the day, so he was like a forerunner, mm-hmm. um, a messenger, a, a messenger in a sense. The coming of what, the what king. They, what they did when a very important person came through uh, uh, royalty. Back in the day, they had somebody that would go before us saying, hey, the king is coming, mm-hmm. and they would they would have a maybe a crew of people mm-hmm. that on the roads, and the, if there was a tree that had fallen across the road or a big pothole, they'd fill it in, they'd remove the rocks, they would just make the way as smooth as possible for this uh, royalty or this high-ranking official to right, come through. Right, because they didn't have broadcasting, and they didn't have satellites, internets, and cell phones, so they had... This was the way they announced their arrival. And so God was, you know, using their means and methods for doing this. And he says, so the child grew and became strong in, the, in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Oh. Now, here's the thing. He could have hung around the priestly courts. He could have been being trained up in the rabbinic schools. He could have had all of the... Because that was his DNA, you, say, you could, Right. You could say. So, but he took the opposite course why did he have to do that well because in in chapter three of luke he says um and it sets the setting of the introduction of john the baptist with the leaders the heads of state the people who were in power at the time um and we can look at that later but um and and he john um and the word of the lord came to john the son of zechariah in the wilderness so while all these highfalutin political figures were uh, manipulating and practicing witchcraft and murder and uh, intrigue in the higher courts and the political system, John is hanging out in the wilderness. I don't know what he did there all the time, but maybe he was 
speaking to the Lord. Maybe he was, I don't know. He was there for a while. He went well, and, probably and, getting revelation. Yeah, you and know, you know, Paul, the apostle yeah. Paul, much later, mm-hmm. did the same thing after right. he was converted. He didn't. He didn't go to the um, apostles right, right away. He went out in the wilderness, and God gave him mm-hmm. revelation. So he's hanging out in the wilderness, the exact opposite. I'm. Do you maybe think? I mean, it's a good thing that God told Zechariah that this man was going to be a Nazarite, or, or Zechariah would have maybe put a lot of pressure on John to go to school, get a good education, follow in his footsteps, you know, wear the priestly robes. Think about it. John wore the exact opposite of a priestly robe. I mean, it was, God is so contradictory to everything we might, so unconventional. So he's just not going to be told what to do. And he's not going to, you know, do it in a way that you and I think he should do it. He's going to do it. He's given us some good clues, obviously, in the Bible through Daniel revelations of how this is going to go down. But He's he's not going to do it the way we think it should be done because yeah. he has his way of doing it for and, his reasons. And it's interesting how God authenticates things too historically because he describes mm-hmm. these historical figures: Tiberius Caesar, Pontius right. Pilate, mm-hmm. Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip. Of he Victoria. did this so, actually to prove that yeah. the events are real. Yeah, exactly. Because we weren't there to hear them or see them, but they're recorded, and therefore the record of these men, and of course the record of the Bible establishes the truth of these events. And it's interesting how his parents, um, Zacharias and Elizabeth, we don't know how long they lived mm-hmm. after John was born and, 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 and grew up here. Um, well, they were already pretty old because they, they were, were in their 60s. They might be gone, but somehow they... Of course, in those days, they lived a little longer too, so we really yeah, don't they, know. They, um, apparently, they let him go. You know, they let John go to the wilderness, right? Yeah. And I don't know how many times he made a trip to, home to see to, his mom. Right. The wilderness wasn't too far away from their house, I would imagine, maybe 20 miles. I don't know. But anyway, so they didn't get to, but it does say he grew in, and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation. So he's in the desert, um, and he went into all the region around the Jordan. So he was in that area where the river is, of course, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, this is a very interesting repentance. Uh, Jesus' first words out of his mouth when he announced his... Repent and believe the gospel. For the kingdom of heaven kingdom is... the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. yeah, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John is saying this. Jesus picks up the exact same words the rep- for the remission of sins. So there can't be a remission of sins or blotting out of sins or taking away of sins without unless there's repentance. without repentance. Re- <clears throat> repentance is our agreement that we sinned that we believe the lie, that we need to change our mind. Repentance means to change your mind. So it was written, and these words were written in the book of, the, of Isaiah the prophet, who was many hundreds of years before that. He said, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make path, his path straight. Now, <clears throat> why would anybody want to believe John the Baptist? He looked like the lunatic. He looked like an insane man. He looked like one of the, he would have probably looked somewhat like the demoniac that Jesus passed, cast the demons out. I mean, he's rushing around. His hair is all messed up. He's in and out. Why would anybody want to listen to John the Baptist, the lunatic, except just maybe out of curiosity? Let's go look at this crazy guy in the wilderness. What's he doing out there? I don't know. Let's go check it out. You know, how much are the tickets? Well, they're free. Just do you want to go with me? Let's go check it out. Let's pack our lunch and go sit down by the Jordan and see what he's doing today. So he was, John was an oddity. He was making a scene 
Um, and it was, it was, but it was in the wilderness. I was out from under the nose of the Herods and the political figures. They weren't going to mess with this madman, um, at least not yet. And sep- separate from the rig- religious elite. Yeah. And so John was a unique, one of a kind, literally. Uh, and he said, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So here are the people. Are you going to believe this? I mean, how many messages are there out there that we have to make a choice? Do I believe that? Do I really believe what that guy's saying? Is that really the truth? Every day we're hit with all kinds of strange messages and predictions and promises and etc. So he says, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. So he's saying it's going to be flattened out, leveled out. The high places are going to be made straight and low and it's and, and the crooked places will be made straight. He's talking about a road, but I believe he's talking about the highway of holiness, which is mm-hmm. to come, and the rough places made smooth, and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. All flesh, everybody is going to see this. Every, there's not anybody that's not going to see this or know this. And so by the time it was all said and done, and Jesus was hung up on the Mount um, Gil, uh, uh, Calvary, Gal, on Galgotha, the yeah. yeah, that everybody, they was right on the main road between Jerusalem and Rome. And Paul and said, everybody saw it. Yes, yeah, Paul said later on in testifying um, toward the end of the book of Acts, he said this thing was not done in a corner. Right. So this right. was obvious. It was before. So John. Before the people. So John had a quite a inviting message. He said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized, "You brood of vipers, you batch of snakes, you hatching of snakes." You're, you're like. Who sna- warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You're snake babies. Well, who's warning you? I mean, he say, "What are you doing here?" Why are you here? You know, war, I, who warned you? How, do, how is it you know about repentance? Therefore, he says, if, you're on, if you have any intentions and are integrous in this thing, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, oh, we're of the, the stock and you know, bloodline of Abraham, our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to, the, to Abraham from these rocks. So don't think that just because you're, you know, and that was their deal that they were very arrogant, very cocky, very assured that because they were of the lineage of Abraham of the, and that he, Abraham was their father, they somehow had this special um, exclusion that they didn't have to worry about anything. They were going to mm-hmm. be automatically taken in. And then John goes on. He's just not very tactful. I, I didn't go to the... Uh, he is not uh, yeah. politically correct he in, the, in the most remote sense. And he didn't drink tea, I don't think. And he's just not refined at all. And he's not hes not politically correct, and he's not seeker-sensitive. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Okay, what does that mean? If a tree has an axe laid to it, the tree is about to be chopped down. So if you were a tree and the axe was laid to the root of the tree, you better know that every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. He said, it's, it's going to be based on your works of sincerity and righteousness, bear fruit. He's talking about fruit and trees. So the people asked him, well, what, well, what should we do then? So they were getting enough courage to ask him. And he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give one, give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. In other words, begin to be sharer. Lose that spirit of covetousness and selfishness mm-hmm. and fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and hoarding. Then the tax collectors came to, to be baptized. And he said to them, and, and said to him, teacher, what? shall we do? So the tax collectors are getting in on this. Um, and that's another level and whole layer of society. They were kind of outcasts themselves because nobody liked the tax collectors because they were collecting they taxes. They were Jews working for the Romans. Yep. 
And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. In other words, don't cheat on other people's taxes and take too much. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, so the soldiers are coming and saying, well, what should we do? So he asked that, so he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or cause or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. In other words, when the soldiers, the Roman soldiers came by in their uniforms, on their horses, it was terrifying to the people. They could intimidate them by just being there. Uh, and then to be accused falsely, there was no recourse at all. Nobody could go to court and protect themselves. And, and they also obviously were um, unhappy with their wages. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. So this is the big curiosity. Is this the Messiah? So I think one of the reasons they all came out was to see, is this the Messiah? And then they, of course, heard the message. And John said to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his thrashing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So God is, he says, he's coming to sort you out. Separation. He's going to bring the wheat from the chaff, and he's going to burn up the junk. Um, his win- is, is The winnowing fan would, would represent judgment. He, he's going to thoroughly purge. He's going to get all the dross, all the chaff, all the nonsense, all the fluff out of here. Uh, and those who are sincere are going to be ser- spared and separated. Um, and with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. So um, that's where John the Baptist, at this point in his career, um, will meet his uh, the introduction of Jesus next week. And then we're going to see how they team up um, in this repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Also, to think about this in our in terms of our own world this these days, do not be hung up on what things look like and it is what it is and it's never going to change because it's the way it is because that's a circular argument and reasoning that doesn't make any sense according to God because God is always into changing the order, always into suddenlies, though he be, goes slow, give him the time he needs because he's got the time for a purpose to do his purpose. So, Father, we thank you for John the Baptist. What a strange way you announce the best news that ever happened to the earth, the coming of the Messiah, finally, after 4,000 years. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for those who were diligent and stayed faithful in the midst of what others gave up on and just went back to their old ways of doing things. Thank you for Zachariah, Elizabeth, and people like them today who are faithfully waiting, humbly waiting for the return and the revelation of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for giving all of us courage to do this wait and to be strong and to say to those around us, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and the king is returning. Amen. Amen. Oh, and by the way, check out liferecovery.com. We have a very awesome audio drama series, 28 episodes of God on Trial, which really tells the story uh, in a very, very entertaining way of Jesus Christ, um, the trial, the, the war between God and Satan for the souls of men. And it's actually told uh, from the point of view of how the enemy saw what he saw, what he wanted to do, what he, how he wanted to stop the Son of God, and the and the fulfillment of the promises. So, again, it's um, it's digital. You can download it. It's very reasonable. It'd be an awesome Christmas present. And I believe right now we have a, a coupon for 20% off. So if you haven't figured out your Christmas gift list yet, check this out. Kids love it. Teens love it. It's very good for evangelism. It's really great for people who don't believe in God because you can all their questions are going to be answered pretty much 
Why, if God is so good, does this bad stuff happen, blah, blah, blah. And who is Jesus, and why do you have to die on the cross? All of these things are answered um, in a dramatic form, in an educational, inspirational, uh, uh, evangelistic format. So, Lord bless you, and have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next week. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.